When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all. Looking to bring it open. He's got it. Snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away. Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it is time for part one of the July 4th weekend mailbag. So for that, we bring in our friend who is somebody who understands the meaning of July 4th, but also is in a place where it doesn't get celebrated anymore. Our buddy Glenn Naughton, who, of course, is the editor of JetNation.com and lives over in England now. Glenn, what's up, man? Uh, well, actually, Scott, I, I will be celebrating July 4th in a big way this weekend. Luckily, since I am close enough to a, a U.S. Air Force base, they do have a weekend-long festivity uh, celebration with all types of rides, concerts, games, stuff like that, fireworks, of course. So, yeah, we'll be bringing the kids up there uh, Saturday night. They, you know, they try to land it on a weekend so everyone can go, so it's not always on the actual 4th. But, uh, yeah, Saturday night we'll be up there doing uh, food trucks and rides and all that stuff. That's awesome. I'm glad that you were able to preserve that part of the American experience for your kids, even though you're over there in England. That's really awesome. Yeah, it is, and it's funny to do it in England. It was even funnier a few years back. They used to, um, they used to do a, a huge bash and open it up to the general public. And I mean, there would be thousands of people, you know, flooding the base. And I mean, I can't, I can't imagine how much money each of the squadrons made with their different food booths and game booths and all that. But they made a ton of money. And uh, at some point, they stopped doing that. They stopped opening it, opening it up. But I used to always think that was weird. I'd be like, the people we fought. Like, because, like July 4th exists because we fought the people who were here now, you know, eating our hot dogs. Well, listen, Glenn, you know what they say. If you can't beat them, join them, which is what Aaron Rodgers did, right? He got smashed around by the Jets last year. So he said, sure, you know what? I'll go on the Jets, and this way Quentin Williams won't break me in half. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. On that note, let's dip into the mailbag, and we'll start with Tristan Snowsill on the subject of Aaron Rodgers. He says, what would Aaron Rodgers need to achieve in the green and white to be added to the ring of honor and have his number eight retired by the Jets? 
Also, when the Jets hit Capel, is there any chance they will manage to keep both Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson? So let's start with the Aaron Rodgers part of this. I think if they win a Super Bowl, there's no question he's in the ring of honor. It really depends on how long he stays and what he does. If he has a career with the Jets that's somewhere in line with what Peyton Manning did, even if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, let's take that Super Bowl win out. If they even make a Super Bowl and he's here for three or four years, has three to four really strong years, and the Jets go to the playoffs all of the years that he's here and they make a Super Bowl appearance, I think there would be a legitimate case to retire his number as a New York Jet. We'll see what he does, but I think he would need to at least get them to a point where they are right on the precipice of a Super Bowl or into the Super Bowl for it to be a legitimate chance to happen. And as far as whether or not the Jets can keep both Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, yeah, of course they can. They just have to be creative with the way they do their contracts, and they also have to be smart about the way that they spend. But of course they can keep both of them. We've seen plenty of teams keep their best players. You're not going to keep them all, but when you're talking about Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, who are at this moment two of the best players in the NFL, and they, of course, will probably only get better from where they are at this moment. You'd have to imagine that the Jets would be smart enough to figure out a way to keep both of them. Yeah, I think with Rodgers, uh, I would imagine it's got to be a Super Bowl. Um, even playoff wins seems, you know, three years of some playoff games um, would make it tough for me to, to see them retiring his number. But uh, I think I think one monster season, and let's say a Super Bowl appearance, I think he gets his number retired. Um, now it's gonna be it'll be interesting to see if if he wins one and walks away. Um, I think he they probably still would do it. Um, if he gave him one big year with a Super Bowl ring because they've only had one ever. And, you know, having a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you know, having his name hanging in the rafters of your team, even if it was only for one season. Um, you know, I think the most the, the most ridiculous example we ever saw of this was the the Marlins retiring Andre Dawson after one year. Um, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't quite be on that level because the impact Rodgers is expected to have. Um, as far as affording guys, it's a really good question because, as you said, Scott, other teams find ways to sign their best guys. And, you know, that, that's sort of, you know, having a couple guys isn't a big deal. But when you look at that draft class from last year um, and the potential that's still there, they could lose some players from that year. Like, you know, we, there was that story the other day that Jermaine Johnson looks quicker and more explosive. And, of course, they say wonderful things about everyone every offseason. But if, if Jermaine Johnson pans out and becomes like sort of a 10-sack-a-year a type guy who's strong against the run, um, that's, that's three guys that will probably be looking – you know, you combine their salaries by the time they're free agents. You're probably looking at about – where you are looking at you know 70 plus million for three players so someone would have to go and uh it's wilson and gardner won't be a problem two guys you can manage um three guys want you know looking for huge contracts at one time i'm not so sure about hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline play like a jet play like a jet Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He asks, if you could add any ex-Jet who's retired or playing now to this 2023 team in their prime, 
Which player would you pick and why? Wow, that's a really interesting question. Who would you take if you could take anybody that played for the Jets and put them onto this team? So the obvious answer is Jarrell Revis, but the reason I wouldn't pick him is because the Jets are really good at cornerback right now. So you'd want to take somebody that was an awesome player at a position that the Jets could really use at the moment. I would say if I could pick anybody right now that once played for the Jets and plug them in on this team, it would probably be Kevin Mawai. Just because I think the Jets having an elite offensive lineman like that would be enormous for this team. You could certainly make a case for somebody like Wesley Walker to give the Jets that downfield threat they don't have. Or clearly Don Maynard, the greatest receiver in Jets history, would be another option here. If you wanted to go the linebacker route, you could certainly do that as well. Somebody like Mo Lewis or Jerry Philbin. But I think if I were to be held to this question, I would say Kevin Mawai would be the guy that I would add. Because I think if you plug in an elite center on this line, it would do so much for Aaron Rodgers. Sure, you could go with a tackle as well. Some would say DeBrickishaw Ferguson, Marvin Powell, or even somebody like Winston Hill. But for as good as those guys were, Mawai is probably the best offensive lineman the Jets have ever had. So that's the direction I would go in. Yeah, without without the benefit of knowing, obviously, how things would turn out um, and liking Tipman. Now, Mawai is obviously a great choice. You can't go wrong with that. But I would go, you, you mentioned the two of the guys I would go with. I would probably go with either Mo Lewis or Wesley Walker. Um, You know, we've talked about how this receiver group, they've, you know, you've got Garrett Wilson, but outside of him, it's just sort of some question marks. I think, you know, Corey Davis, I think is a better player than Alan Lazard, but of course his durability has been an issue and Aaron Rodgers prefers Lazard. So who knows how the reps get, you know, shake out there. But I, to me, it'd be either Wesley Walker because he would fill a need. There would be no more questions about whether or not you have two top-tier receivers. Um, and Mo Lewis because he's one of my all-time favorites, and that's a big need for this team too. Maybe even Marvin Jones. You know, I'm trying to think back to when Marvin Jones was in his prime in the middle of that defense, athletically how he would – you know how he would do in today's game I think at his peak he'd be all right you know of course later in his career him and as everyone does him and Mo slowed down a little bit but uh yeah I would go Mo Lewis or Wesley Walker Michael Christopher also asked why does it seem like the Jets have trouble signing their first and second round picks way too often do they put something in their contracts that other teams don't and if so what is it it is weird because these contracts are slotted Glenn I think a lot of it has to do with minor things like offset language we remember that was the issue with Quinn and Williams so I think it's things like that that the Jets are very particular about that maybe some other teams let slide but it is weird they do seem to have these first and second round picks especially first round picks that end up not getting signed until way later than most teams. Yeah, it is weird because I think that's something we've all noticed the last couple of years. But at the same time, it seems like they always get it done right before, you know, guys weigh in for camp. So it's never been an issue. Um, guy, you know, the, the players still get in camp and as everyone does nowadays, I mean, I think the chargers had a Bosa holdout a couple of years ago for the same situation, but, um, but yeah, you just don't see guys hold out. So it, 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 on the one hand, it's weird. On the other hand, it's sort of, it doesn't bother me because the guys in camp, once guys start not signing before camp, that's when it's going to, you know, that's when it'll be an issue. Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He asks, should the Jets consider trading for Trey Lance? I don't think so. I understand the thought behind it, but it just seems like the Jets have put a lot of eggs in the rehabilitate Zach Wilson basket. Aaron Rodgers has spoken a lot about it. 
The entire organization has spoken a lot about it. Wilson himself has spoken about it. I just don't see them going out and getting another quarterback. Even if it was something where it was a Wilson for Lance swap, I don't think the Jets would do it. If they were going to trade Wilson, I don't think it would be in a deal for another quarterback at this point. It would probably be for a draft pick to help replace what they lost in the Aaron Rodgers deal. Now, as of this moment, Zach Wilson doesn't have any trade value whatsoever, so this is a moot point. But I don't think they're going to be looking to go get Trey Lance, and based on the way that they've been operating, I don't think it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. It's a weird thing. If he gets dealt, I'm really curious to see what San Francisco gets for him because they gave up the farm to get him. Um, you know, they're taking a loss no matter what. How big of a loss are they willing to take? Who knows? But listen, I didn't love Lance coming out of college. You know, obviously has some unbelievable physical traits, but the, the guy had – he started a handful of games at a low-level college. You know, he wasn't a uh, – uh, 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 sorry, he, he – he wasn't a guy coming out of an elite university. He wasn't a guy who played top competition. He played a handful of snaps against low-level competition and was always going to be a multi-year project. And obviously, after a couple of years of being that project, the team that gave up the sun and the moon to get him, if they're willing to unload him, then that tells me he's just he's, he brings nothing. Trey Lance is interesting to me, Glenn, because it shows that football is a game of trends that gets copied by other teams, and then there's the innovators that start things. So what happened was you saw guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen who were acknowledged as projects, and it was one of those things where you said if they have the right coaching, they have talent. So maybe they can get to where they need to get to. And obviously what we've seen is Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the league, when it's all said and done, probably going to wind up being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Josh Allen, a top five quarterback in the NFL as well. And so you had seen a lot of teams that would say, I need to see it on film. How many times have you heard that? I need to see it on film. This guy only had this number of reps or this guy didn't operate in this offense in college or this guy was inaccurate in college. And so when you see guys like Mahomes and Allen succeeding, then these teams start to say, just give me a guy with the raw tools and I can coach him up. Whereas in the past it was, give me the guy with the best film. So Josh Rosen fails, right? Sam Darnold fails. Even Baker Mayfield not doing all that well. And so you look at those three and then you look at Allen and you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, who a lot of people said, well, he's not the most refined passer, is going to need a lot of work. Well, it was Allen and Jackson who were the two that were acknowledged would need the most amount of work as opposed to the other three, Rosen, Darnold, and Mayfield, who ended up being the successful ones. It was Allen and Jackson, not the other three. And so teams started to think, instead of just looking at the tape, let's get guys with physical traits. And that's why you saw somebody like Anthony Richardson go as high as he did. And I understand it, because ultimately, this is so difficult to gauge the quarterback position. And so I think that's what the thought was with Trey Lance and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, it hasn't worked out all that well, but of course, a guy like Kyle Shanahan is always going to bet on himself to be able to bring along a young quarterback with those kind of physical traits. It's that type of bravado that has made him as good as he is and has made the 49ers as good as they are, but it's also the type of bravado that leads to this type of situation where maybe he gets a little too bold for his own good. Yeah, it could be. And we and and you're right. You know, we say all the time it's a copycat league and you might see a guy who, who does something. Uh, you see a team find a way to win that isn't sort of conventional. It's not something everyone's doing. And another organization might feel like we can do that if we get this player. Um, and you're asking them to do a lot. And I think uh, like I, we, we went back and forth on this on our show a little bit. Um, 
some of us love Trey Lance, and I was like, like I said, I some guys you just watch them and think that guy has unbelievable physical traits, but we've seen a lot of guys with unbelievable physical traits not work out. And and to me, like the draft is so much about mitigating risk that when there were so many questions about him to me that I just thought, look, everyone's wrong, right? Who cares if I'm wrong? Um, guy might be a Hall of Fame quarterback for all I know, but there were just too many risks involved for me to say, yeah, draft that guy early on. And Glenn, I will say this. The 49ers are one of the very few teams in the NFL that could do what they did, surrender yep. so much draft capital to take a chance on somebody like it. Trey Lance, have it fail, and still be as good as they are. I mean, this is a team that went to the NFC Championship game last year, and the reason is because they have elite coaching with Kyle Shanahan. They built an elite roster with John Lynch, and they were able to find a guy in Brock Purdy in the seventh round who, if you watch his tape, didn't really look all that good in college at Iowa State, but you turn around and watch him now in the pros, and he's just very good at operating that offense, and I think that's something that Kyle Shanahan understood, and that's why he took Brock Purdy with the last pick in the draft last year because he thought to himself, this kid may not be all that physically gifted, his tape may be eh, but I'm confident that he can learn my system and operate competently within it, and that's what he did last year. Now, we'll see what ends up happening once he comes back from injury this year and has to play a full season. Now, the teams have tape on him and all of that, but if he can continue to be anything close to what he was last year, which is around a league average to slightly above league average quarterback on the amount of money that he's making, once again, it'll show you the genius of the 49ers organization and why they are one of the top organizations in the league right now because... How many teams could make the kind of mistake that they made and be in the NFC Championship game as quickly as they were? Usually a mistake like that is going to cost you big time and put you in a hole that you won't be able to get out of for a couple of years. Was not the case with the 49ers. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, you can't put a dollar value on that, really. To have a, a head coach who's good enough at developing and working with quarterbacks that you, you can give up a king's ransom, lose all those picks, miss on the player, and just go, oh, okay, and just, just keep pressing on. It's It really is remarkable what they've done out there. Next question comes in from Godson5. He asks, how do you think this season will end, and will Aaron Rodgers be here for 2024? I know it's early, but I'm already getting impatient. <laughs> well, got a long ride to go, man. You're going to have to relax a little bit. That would be my recommendation. As of this moment, now, we have to see how the season begins to play out because, obviously, expectations change once you see how everything looks in reality as opposed to on paper but at this minute I would say the Jets probably get a wild card and I think that they either lose in the first round or win one game and lose in the second round and then we talked about this on the show with Cameron Parker who came on to discuss the parallels with the Peyton Manning situation once other players from around the league see that see that the Jets are for real see that they're on the verge of doing something you may get some big-time free agents that come in here because they want to play with Aaron Rodgers, because they want to win a championship and think they could do it here with the Jets. That's what happened in Denver, remember. Ward showed up the second year. Akib Talib showed up that second year. DeMarcus Ware showed up that second year, and that's when they ended up going to the Super Bowl and having just a phenomenal run. Peyton Manning threw for over 5,000 yards. I think Rodgers probably is here in 2024. I'm sure that's his intention. The only way I don't think it happens is if something happens with him physically or the season just goes 
horribly wrong and it ends up in a situation where he just doesn't want to play anymore and everybody recognizes it's a bad marriage. But I think the odds are strong right now, at least on paper, that he'll be here in 2024. I think uh, as Jets fans, since we like to catastrophize everything, I'm going to say the Jets uh, the Jets go to the Super Bowl and lose to Derek Carr and the Saints. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's that's that would that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Jesus Christ. But listen, it, it, it's all down to health. Uh, you know, I, I hate to keep saying it, but I feel like with every team, you know, predictions are tied to staying healthy. If they stay healthy, I think um, I think it ends with a deep playoff run. I'm not going to say a Super Bowl, but it's absolutely not impossible. Um, again, I've said before, I think the Jets, the Jets have the corners to prevent teams from making the, the many explosive plays they make in big spots. And, uh, you know, that's not to say they won't give up some plays, but I think the, the combination of Rogers with the corners being able to, you know, lock down on the outside and what they can bring, especially if Will McDonald delivers, you know, if Will McDonald is what they expect him to be, then I, I, I don't. I think a deep playoff run is is in the cards, but these guys have to stay healthy. Godson5 also asks one more question. Lifelong Jets fan, and my son asked me why are they called the Jets and why green for the color? No other New York team is close. I guessed it was Hess Gas Stations. Can you help me out with this? Yes, the answer to this is not Hess Gas Stations, although a lot of people think that that is the reason. The Jets started wearing green when Sonny Werblin changed the colors to green and white in 1963 when he bought the team. So it was before Leon Hess. So Leon Hess, believe it or not, had nothing to do with it. It was a happy coincidence. The reason the Jets wear green is because Sonny was born on St. Patrick's Day and green has always been his favorite color. So that's the reason that the Jets wear green to this day. That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. Thanks so much to Glenn Naughton, the editor of JetNation.com for joining me. We'll be back with part two tomorrow in the meantime check out everything glenn's doing at jetnation.com and listen to jet nation radio with glenn and dylan terriman check out everything we've got going on over at playlikeajet.com and the play like a jet youtube channel we've got some awesome all 22 film breakdowns on our channel so watch them and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already youtube.com slash play like a jet visit our store tpublic.com that's tee we've got the john frank lemires quentin williams bless you thank you shirt the play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies it's all there tpublic.com that's tepublic.com and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com